Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Two people pop in a room together for an interview. What happens next? Well, no one knows. And this is the eternal mystery that most companies have faced for decades. The single point of failure in hiring, in my opinion, because we assume that everyone knows how to interview, but the truth is they do not, as most interviewers have only been trained on what not to say. There's no insight as to what is being said, the questions that are asked, or personal motives that drive a person's opinion on a hiring decision. So today we're gonna help to give you insight on how you can gain valuable interviewing data to empower your people to make stronger hiring decisions for your company. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Rafael Danilo. Rafael is a French entrepreneur and investor based in New York. He's the CEO and founder of Yobs, an interview intelligence platform that sits on top of Zoom and the ATS and enables every interviewer to feel prepared and be more efficient in hiring top talent. Rafael has helped over 100 high-tech, high-growth organizations up-level their recruiting organization with interview intelligence through Yobs and Evening Fund, the VC he runs on nights and weekends which is what makes Raphael the perfect expert for today's topic. Raphael, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. How's it going, Rick? Happy to be here. You know, it's going great, except for we have some technical difficulties today, but we're going. We're about 15 minutes late, but hey, we're going to have some fun anyway. But we're here. <laughs> yes, we're here and we're, we're doing outstanding. Today, we're going to talk about interviewing intelligence, what that is and why it's important to a company. We're going to talk about the importance of it and then how to gain data to secure accurate hiring decisions. Sound like a plan? Sounds great. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges. Interview intelligence is kind of a new thing that's sprung up over the past couple of years. And the idea is be able to give executives the insight so they can make sure that people are interviewing properly and essentially better hiring decisions are being made on a daily basis. Correct? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Let's talk a little about some of the challenges on why interviewing intelligence is actually important today. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, running a business, and especially in the current environment, is incredibly painful. Um, any founder who's listening will, will probably agree. Recruiting is, is one of the biggest challenges, um, especially when you're entering in this sort of hybrid remote work model makes everything 10x more difficult, especially when it comes to making huge bets on people to join your organization. You have to sell them, you have to assess them at the same time, you have to create alignment internally. And then as you grow your company, as you grow your team, you have to enable others to do the job, you know, uh, sort of like, uh, not, not on your behalf, but to help you with it. So training, onboarding, coaching, interviewers, hiring managers, building recruiting teams. We think that, um, is incredibly difficult. And today, one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is, is what companies, what recruiting organizations can do um, you know, to adopt what we call interview intelligence in order to run awesome A-plus recruiting organizations. Sounds good. Let's talk about alignment because I think that's kind of a key component here. Because you can have a really strong recruiting organization, but the problem, in my opinion, is when you put somebody in front of 
interviewers, right? A lot of times people aren't prepared. They don't understand why they're interviewing somebody. They really don't have any insight as to whether or not that person is good or bad. They're basically coming into a blind or they're coming into it with maybe they've done a little preparation. They've looked at a LinkedIn profile and they come up with a lot of assumptions as to whether or not the person is going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's 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 interesting with recruiting um, and the standard way that we do it is when you think of any mission critical business process that your company sort of operates, um, you think of designing a product or designing your website. The designer will pull up a draft, you know, mirror board, Figma file, whatever. You can look at the same shared reality and make decisions and provide feedback in context. You have the same view of reality. Um, when you think of developers on your team, they might be using your a GitHub repo or some sort of code repository where all the code is. You're looking at the same piece of code. You're collaborating on the same piece of code. Again, you're collaborating in context, even if you're doing so remotely. With recruiting, if you think about it, we are effectively saying, I'm going to have a conversation with this candidate. And then another member of my recruiting team is also going to have a conversation uh, with this candidate. And then we're going to use our best recollection, our best memory, uh, which typically drops about 50% plus within the first hour of the conversation ending. So we're going to use this highly imperfect recollection of reality uh, you know, in order to, to sort of collaborate. So we're not collaborating on reality in context. We're collaborating off of this recollection of what reality was. And I think that's I think that's backwards, right? And if you sort of start from that axiom, from that assumption, there's a lot that can be improved in the recruiting process, not just having better conversations, asking better questions, reducing bias, but you know, as you were talking about, the entire sort of process gets better. You can make better hiring decisions, more efficient. We, we can talk a little bit more about the how, um, but I think a lot of a lot of it stems from that original sort of. Uh, assumption of being able to capture reality for what it is. Yeah, see, the way I view it is you have an overall hiring process and you have two functions within the hiring process. You have recruiting, which is getting the people in, and then you have the interviewing piece, right? Which is once you get them in front of people, what happens? Right? And I've seen organizations where you have a phenomenal recruiter on board who's essentially teeing up really great people for the organization and when people are going through the interview process, they're either getting turned off or they're not getting recognized for whether or not they're going to be a strong fit for the company. Or you get a lot of like kind of these really random like, well, yeah, I just wasn't really feeling that person. Like my gut wasn't saying, yeah, that's our guy, right? Or that's our gal or whatever the acronym might be, right? So it's interesting how that's really been, it's interesting that that's really like the single point of failure because you can have a great recruiting staff that are bringing people in, but when you get them in front of people, that's where it's kind of the wild west. I think, I think you just pinpointed the first area of misalignment, which is, you know, number one is my, is my sourcer, is my recruiter, um, uh, if I'm the hiring manager, if, is, is my source or a recruiter sourcing folks that fit a profile that we have spent time as a team aligning on, okay, this is what we're looking for. These are the competencies. Do we really need a master's from Harvard in order to hire a great designer? Probably not. We probably don't even need this person to have gone to college, right? So like aligning on requirements and competencies and ensuring that those are not, you know, in and of itself, the product of a lot of bias and preconceptions. But then once the, the sources and the recruiters, assuming they're great, they're 
you know, you, they were told, hey, I need to bring in someone who has XYZ profile. They're doing exactly that. They're crushing. They're getting candidates excited. Now they're in my funnel. That's where, you know, another big piece of misalignment comes in where that handoff is usually done in a really um, sort of imperfect way. Uh, the way that the, 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 the sourcer pitches the opportunity and pitches the candidate to their team, you know, there can be a lot that gets, you know, lost in translation um, when they're getting handed off. Number one, the, you know, candidate's profile can be a little bit different than what the, uh, uh, what the hiring manager was expecting. Again, they weren't a part of that initial conversation. So unless you're able to capture those conversations, share important snippets, important highlights, it's difficult to get out of that alignment. And vice versa, if your hiring manager, if your you know, first round interviewer is not pitching the opportunity and handling objections from the candidate, that might be about salary, about PTO, can I work remotely? Like, what does the company even do? <laughs> if they're not pitching it in a way that aligns with the original conversation, you're going to run into a lot of issues. The same way that if you're an account executive at a, you know, on a sales team and you're pitching something completely different than the SDR, the sales rep who created the opportunity in the first place, you're probably not going to close that deal. It's the same thing, you know, in hiring, in my opinion. Very true. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and actually your link to finding the book Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your company's secret weapon to sourcing and hiring the strongest talent. Our guest today is Rafael Danilo. He's the founder and CEO of Yobs, and we're talking about interview intelligence. So we just talked a little bit about some of the challenges. We could do a whole episode of just on misalignment alone. And I think it comes down to really a lot of recruiters don't push back enough on their hiring managers to really find out or drill down on, like, is this exactly what we need? And then also eliminating those hurdles, like I need somebody who went to school at a top 10 university or something. Like some of those things are not necessary. Those are ego-based driven criteria, which, as we all know, don't necessarily work out because you can get people who come from top 10 schools that are the bottom 10% of the people who graduated from that school. And then guess what? <laughs> you just spent a lot of money on somebody who doesn't work out. So let's talk a little bit about the solution. So what is interview intelligence? Give me the components of interview intelligence for our listener. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with, with interview intelligence, the, the very, very first step is capturing reality, right? Like we talked a lot about why capturing reality is important. Um, what we mean by capturing reality practically is um, think of companies like Gong or Chorus or others in the sales side that capture all of your customer interactions. We do something similar, but on the, uh, on the candidate side. So I think it's important to be able to record and transcribe all the calls, capture all emails, bring all of that in one single view, right? But that's only step one. The second piece is how can you enable a company to now invest in interviewer coaching and training in order to run a high-performing recruiting organization? And AI can be very helpful, not in replacing the recruiter or you know, automating a bunch of stuff only, but in actually being able to pull out and uh, you know, all, all of those interactions and add all of that ocean of information identifying key moments where there are key coachable moments is what we call them so that the hiring manager, the TA leader can actually step in and provide that coaching, that training in context. Um, and I think that's really powerful. That's where AI can play a part. Um, but once you're capturing reality, even without any AI or anything like that, just 
enabling interviewers to coach themselves to watch back like how did I do right and being able to sort of replay the film almost like if you're an athlete right and you're able to replay the film and see how you can improve and have your manager have your your coach right do the same thing I think there's so much power in that that in sales is already a given all the best sales organizations do that but in recruiting we're really only scratching the surface that's why I'm so excited about this new category yeah and you know so let's talk about capturing reality because I think reality is that there's not enough diligence, so there's not enough mind share that goes into the interview process. Let's just talk to people, we'll hire them. Like it's an afterthought. It's one of the most important things for the organization. So if you treat your organization, your interview process, like let's just talk to people and we'll expect that great people want to join us because we think we're fantastic, then the reality is you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be bringing on top performers to your company because they're not going to want to work with you. They're just going to kind of look at you as a fly-by-night company that may be a place that they can do a temporary stop to another place if they accept the offer with you. But they'll bounce pretty quick. Yeah, I think a, a lot of a lot of poor hiring decisions, uh, and by poor hiring decision, I just mean a, a, a hire that doesn't work out. First of all, they're very costly. I, mean, I think we've all seen the industry report, the Harvard Business Review articles about how expensive that is, et cetera. And also the impact on morale. Like I'm not going to bore everyone with those, but I think one, one, one thing that's m- much more important is that, and probably for any like CEO or founder who's listening, is that you, you can fix that. Like that, that is not a, a fact of life that you just have to accept. It's, it's something that can, that can be acted on. And again, I think one key insight is that the best recruiting teams that I've seen, and again, you, you mentioned, uh, you have, I've worked with 100 plus recruiting teams at high growth organizations, including a lot of unicorns. Uh, not a lot of which are shit shows, by the way. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> there, there, there's that. But you know, what, what, what's what's interesting is that the best recruiting teams operate a lot like sales teams, um, and and they obsess over being able to improve the process and combating their own biases and combating their own inefficiencies within the process. Um, because they understand and they appreciate how critical recruiting is. Like if you don't have a well-oiled A-plus recruiting engine, your company will never be A-plus. It's just not going to happen, right? And so as a founder, you know, besides making sure there's money in the bank, that's one thing I would obsess over. Well, you also have to have an A-plus leadership team across the board because that's what's going to attract the players. It's got to start from the top down. And what becomes tricky is when you get in this mode where you close your Series A and you got to scale and hire a whole bunch of people, then it becomes, let's just put an ass in the seat and hope it works out. And that's a very dangerous position to get into, too. Like you just mentioned, the unicorns being shit shows. It's because you're scaling too fast, and the diligence that goes into it is just purely based on skills and really not whether or not somebody aligns with the values of the company, which is one of the most important factors of whether or not somebody's going to be a successful hire. And I guess the thinking is that, hey, you know what? We can just eat it. We'll eat that. That's just the cost of doing business. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we're seeing the recoil of that right now, um, where for the last two, three years, a lot of organizations in high growth mode, you know, were sort of bloated off of, you know, easy VC money. And we're now seeing the recoil of that, where obviously you have hiring freezes, you have layoffs in, in a lot of cases as well at the growth stage. And, and I think organizations that we talk to are, a lot of them are now focused on efficiency. They might still be growing headcount, but they're doing so in a much, much more diligent way. And so I think what's interesting is that part of interview intelligence is not just about making your team, you know, 
much more efficient when you're scaling at a super, super rapid pace, but it's also being able to do more with, with less, like with, with a small team, with very few resources, um, and making sure that what you are doing, the process you are running, the interviews that you are having, um, that you're getting more out of them, right? You're getting more signal, um, you're getting a better candidate experience, um, you know, and you're, you're, you're getting less bias. So basically, le- you know, less noise, more signal. I would almost argue that it's most critical even when you're like five people and you're just trying to get from five to 10 or, you know, five to seven. Those are the most critical hires. All day <laughs> like long. Those will, set, those, those will set the destiny of your company moving forward. Because who, whoever you hire, if you hire A players, as you mentioned, they're, they're going to tend to hire A players. You can, you can assist them. You can give them interview intelligence, et cetera. But A players will converge towards hiring A players, but you hire B players, C players, like B players will hire C players, C players will hire D players. Um, so it's, it's, it's so, so, so critical to invest in awesome recruiting so early. It's, it's one of those like type one decisions that are very, very difficult to, to unwind and reverse um, once they're done. So let's talk about investing in interviewer training. So I'm a small company. I have five people. How do I invest in interview training? Yeah, I think, I think like, um, first of all, mo- most companies don't invest in an interviewer training program until they're, you know, very, very late stage. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's the bare minimum, which is what not to say. Like, I'll tell you a story. My, my girlfriend recently changed jobs. She was part of a high growth company that was very bloated, had to make a lot of layoffs. And so she left and, um, out of the few companies that she was interviewing, um, one of them, you know, it was, it was a high, high ending that we're not going to name the company. Um, you know, don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but this was like basically the, the head of marketing at a great series, a company that has, you know, top VCs on their cap table. The one of the first things that the the head of marketing basically says is like, oh, I I, I looked at your Instagram and uh, like like you look, you look great in those pictures or or something along those lines. And it's just like that that that's how you start an interview after being warmed up by the the the, the sorcerer and she's like super excited about the company, etc. He spends the first five minutes sort of like objectifying her. Um, Obviously, she didn't even follow up after that conversation, right? So that wasn't even part of the what not to say interview training. Like, that's just have not to get sued, or yeah, exactly, not to like, just, like completely, you know, destroy your candidate pipeline. So you know, th- those are the basic. But the, the the funny slash not really funny thing about this whole thing is that you know I don't think this individual had any repercussion whatsoever afterwards. Like they wouldn't even know at that company, the CEO, the head of TA would have no idea that. My girlfriend, in this case, had that candidate experience because you know capturing candidate feedback is 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 very sort of a one-off, imperfect information. Also, candidates don't want to burn themselves; they don't want to like you know set themselves up for 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 risky situations. So, unless that conversation was somehow recorded or somehow captured, there's there's no way that you would even be able to address the problem. You don't even know that the problem is there, right? You just think, oh, we're losing candidates; they probably got an offer somewhere else. You're not even able to address this, so that. That, that's a very extreme example um, of, of something that's huge. That's a huge clue. If you're losing candidates, right, especially people that you want to hire, that's because of your interview process. It's not because they accept a higher offer somewhere else. It's because you failed to give them a good candidate experience. You failed to allow them to see the value that your company brings above all the other offers. That's the huge failure point. But getting back to training, right? 
it doesn't take much to actually set up a structure if you're a small company of, hey, here's our hiring process. Spend a couple hours teaching everybody, hey, here's our hiring process, here's how we run it. And by the way, we're gonna provide everybody interview questions so that you guys don't have to really think about it. You just have to go in, conduct the interview, gather the evidence to support whether or not we should hire somebody. And if they don't align, then we don't hire them. If they do align, then we move forward. You keep it as simple, like if we can dummy, I don't want to say dummy proof it, but maybe smart proof the interview process to where you don't have anybody asking random questions because they're nervous or they're not sure what to ask. That avoids a lot of problems and also allows people to lean into wanting to work for your company. I, I agree. Like, let, let's get let's get tactical, right? Like we have we have, you know, founder audience. Let's get super tactical. Like the, the thing that more mature companies do really well is they invest in what we call interview content. So part of interview training is just making sure that you know what's you know illegal to ask. Literally, like don't ask someone you know stuff around raise you know stuff stuff like that. Like you know how how much they're making right now. There's stuff like that that's just like an obvious no no. And there, there's a few topics that you literally that's illegal for you to be asking about. That's that's almost the easy stuff. Sometimes it gets overlooked, but that's the easy stuff. Now, when it comes to being able to really drive alignment better decisions in an efficient process because you don't you know the best candidates they're not on the market for three months you know most of the time they're they're in our current job right like you have to poach them so if you're not delivering a great experience and efficiently making decisions you're missing out on the best talent right you don't have six months you know and, and 12 interviews to make a decision no you have one chance so so you gotta yeah exactly you gotta you gotta make the most out of those conversations and interview planning is a huge part of that right so what are the competencies that are critical for this job, right? Uh, I need this person to be able to work in a team. I need to, you know, this person to be able to handle a lot of ambiguity. Okay, great. What are some high signal questions I can ask that are structured, that are behavioral in nature? And I'll explain kind of what that means that can help me gather a high signal answer from all of these different candidates in a way that I can benchmark them against one, one, one another. And, what does a good answer look like? What does a bad answer look like, right? If I'm asking you, if I want to measure teamwork, a very typical example would be of a question would be, tell me of a time where you overcame a challenge with a team or tell me of a time where you disagreed with your boss or with your client, how did you handle that, right? Those are, those are behavioral questions that you can sort of uh, see how the person reacts in a scenario and you know that's that's a sort of easy one that you might have heard a lot before, but then you can you can get more creative, you can get more um, company specific or situation specific to what you're doing, and then scoring those answers. Typically, you know, in, in if you have an applicant tracking system, they even have little modules called scorecards, um, where you're basically scoring the answers. You're, you're scoring the answers of the candidate on those competencies, and then you're collecting those, and then you have sort of a quantitative base of of, of comparison for those for those candidates, and you're able to get to like a strong hire, hire, no hire. And I know that we disagree a little bit on this. So I'll let you kind of like tell me what you think. <laughs> we do. And, and the reason why is because we don't have the luxury of comparing candidates a lot of times, especially as a small company. You might have two or three people that come through. And if you take a compare and contrast stance on it, right, you're going to lose the person that you wanted to hire most of the time. The other thing is scorecards I think are dangerous because it's based on somebody's opinion on how you rank somebody. It's pretty clear, especially when you get into behavioral interviewing, if you dig deep enough in the behavioral interview, in those questions, you can get really clear evidence as to whether or not somebody's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I don't think we have the luxury right now, especially in this market, of compare and contrast model 
of candidates because you end up losing the best people because, you know, well, let's just see how we this person compares with the other two. And you really need to take the stance of, hey, look at I'm going to treat each individual like they're the only candidate that I have because that way I'm not going to lose the right person. And if the first candidate that comes through is the right person, why not hire? Why would you have to wait? Yeah, I, I actually agree with you that it's really critical to ensure you have an efficient process and that whatever whatever hurdles you're adding into your process that are meant to help you gather more signal shouldn't be adding, you know, extra unnecessary steps. I, I actually think of scorecards um, as really valuable when they're coupled with a couple of other aspects of, of interview intelligence. One is, well, you know, making sure that you have a good interview kit, that good interview guidance, like we know what we're measuring and and then we're we're asking the right questions so that it's not filling out a scorecard off of like a random biased conversation. You're 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 scoring a candidate off of like a, a, a structured, high quality, high signal conversation. And then one of the things that's really, really cool about recording conversations, first of all, a lot of people think that candidates like hate it. Candidates like are so used to it. Like candidates really fundamentally don't care. And we see it across 10,000 plus interviews we do per year. Uh, for you know, with our with our customers, you know, as long as you're respectful of data security and consent laws, and you're 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 uh, upfront about why you're doing it, and you want to uplevel your hiring organization, you know, if companies record customer calls, there's no reason that you know on on, on the candidate side it would be a, an issue. We're we're seeing very very little pushback. Yeah, I'm not seeing any pushback at all either. The benefit that you get out of that though is yeah, yeah. and on the and on the but the, the benefits like are, are are incredible. For example, in this case, like I don't have to spend. 45 minutes of my time jumping on a call. If I need to talk to a customer, I need to talk to an investor. I can rewatch it at like 1.5 X speed, or I can search the transcript for key highlights, or ideally my, my interviewer has even highlighted the conversation already while they're on the call or they're taking notes again, all, all with, all with this digital platform. It integrates with my ETS. It can even send me an alert. Like those are the types of things that an interview intelligence platform, a tool allows you to do. And for example, in this case, I could fill out a scorecard for a candidate who was interviewed by someone else. But because I'm aligned with John, who you know ran that interview, or with Sally, who ran that interview on the interview kit, we, we agreed on an interview kit together. We use it for all of our you know, cultural fit or cultural value add you know, interviews. We know how to run them. Whether I'm running it or whether they're running it doesn't make a fundamental huge difference. You know, Someone more experienced might ask better follow-up questions, but the, the foundation, the 80% of it should be the same. I'm able to now fill out a scorecard for this candidate, even though I didn't have to spend 45 minutes on that call with the scheduling, man managing schedules, et cetera. So it enables this whole new sort of paradigm of like remote or hybrid collaboration um, that we're seeing the very, very best recruiting organizations tap into. Um, and now it's it's the, the rest of the market is now catching up and it's it's still early days. So that's, that's what's exciting about it. You know, I see the value within interview intelligence is you can actually see the quality of how well your people assess people, right? Because you can go back and you can view it. And when they're clearly off, you can see where the bias comes from. You can actually understand the motivation of the person who's doing the interviewing and either, you know, coach them along and get them better or bring them out of rotation. Because the worst thing you can do is have somebody in an interview rotation that clearly wants to downgrade your staff, right? <laughs> like, or, or bring in people that they can kind of have under work under them, you know, personal motives and assumptions, I think, are, are what enemies here. Yeah, and, and 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 sometimes it's not malicious, right? But it, there is a lot of subconscious bias, right? It's like, you know, hey, I'm, 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 uh, 
um, I have a certain type of profile and, you know, as, as that X profile, you will always tend to um, vibe better with someone who is similar to you. But the problem is like, you know, if, if you're an early stage startup, you're, you know, a bunch of, you know, white guys out of Stanford who studied engineering, that's great. But the problem is like, if you're not super intentional about what type of team you're trying to build, you know, we, you, if you leave it all unchecked, it's, it's, and, and it's all on, you know, biased conversations, there's no checks and balances, you're probably just going to recreate sort of like the, the, you know, the same base that you have over and over again. Um, and, and, and over time, you know, I've, I've heard horror stories of like, uh, a female engineer joining an awesome, awesome, very famous now company um, in the tech space um, as the first female engineer. Once the engineering team was already forty people, right? And what do you think happens with a with a with a new hire like that? They don't they don't stick around for very long, no. right? Like because no. and, and they could be they could be amazing. And in this case, she was. Now she runs a very successful company herself. Um, but you know, in this case, that company was facing a ton of churn because they're. You know, it, it was almost too late to fix at that point uh, or, you know, or very, very difficult to fix at that point because they let the problem, you know, run for so long. And let's all be honest, that's the thing that stifles innovation and creativity and growth within an organization. Raphael, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into the business today? Yeah, today, um, I would say capture reality. You don't need to buy, you know, five figure license to, 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 to some SaaS product, I think start recording calls like with Zoom, right? Like put them in a freaking Google Drive for to create a library, but start capturing the reality of your organization today. Uh, I would say for recruiting, but also for sales, right? If you're an early stage startup, I think that's absolutely, absolutely critical. And then the second piece would be invest in interviewer training and interviewer coaching. Start, start investing in you know, good interview kits, good interview content, at least for the basics, you know, you don't have time to, to do, you know, a million interview kits, but you don't need that. Just do it for key roles, um, for key steps of your interview process, and then ensure that folks are actually sticking to that, right? And, and, and recording those conversations will help with that. Um, and that enables them to coach themselves, right? Like you don't even need to do it all yourself. Like they can then rewatch and, 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 and improve. Um, so I think those are two things that with or without a platform, any founder can start doing literally tomorrow, um, basically for free. That's such a great point. And actually, it also drives home the fact that like people will try harder and do a better interview if they know they're being recorded as well. Thanks so much for your time and investment today, Raphael, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. What would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, your company? As a matter of fact, you should mention you guys actually do an interview intelligence platform. So thank you for kind of coaching it. But yeah, tell us how we find you. Yeah, uh, you can ping me on LinkedIn, uh, Rafael Danilo. Uh, you can, you know, check out our website, yobstech.com, Y-O-B-S-T-C-H.com. I'm happy to have further conversations about interview intelligence. And then if you're an awesome early stage company who you know, has been recruiting top talent and is looking for that next stage of growth, you're looking for investment, um, feel free to reach out to me. I also, uh, again, yeah, as you mentioned, invest on nights and weekends into other, uh, you know, A-plus founders. So hit me up for that. Just on nights and weekends, though. <laughs> yeah, just on nights and weekends. <laughs> I like that. 
All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show's for you. We want to continue to make great content that you can plug in your business every week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday for another episode of Higher Power Radio. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.